So welcome, Ryan, to the Lead the Game podcast. Thank you. Looking forward to the call. So your collegiate studies were in political science, European history, and later an MBA in international strategy. What do you believe was the most important lesson that you learned in your higher education studies that you transitioned to your career in disrupting and creating value to the sports tech industry? Okay, well, I'd probably say the, the most important was the diversity of my studies and the fact that a lot of my studies were international. So as you read, I did a, a an undergraduate degree in the US. I did a master's degree in Belgium, which introduced me to a lot of various cultures and a lot of friends throughout the Erasmus program. And then an MBA back in the US, but it was tied to internationalization. So those three things allowed me to get a better picture of the world from both a business standpoint, a political standpoint, and a just a cultural standpoint, but also allowed me to meet a bunch of people throughout the world. So I didn't just go to school in the US and met a bunch of people from the US. Um, so the biggest value that I took away from all that was the relationships that I met um, and then the cultures and the diversity that I had, which allowed me to focus on what I do today and actually my specialty, which is internationalization of sports and helping startups cross borders and introducing them to different teams, leagues, and people. And a lot of those people are people that I met throughout my studies. Um, we're going to have a call just later today with the the CTO of, of Tomorrow Golf, Tiger Woods and Rory. And I found that it's a person I went to school with 22 years ago. And he took the call because I knew him. So that's perfect introduction. And we know each other. We're good friends. So I'm able to introduce my my startups to Tomorrow Golf League, which is the next big thing that Tiger Woods is launching. So are so, those conversations of uh, future career uh, networking and, and engaging in um, in um, potential business opportunities, conversations that you had with your um, collegiate um, collegiate partners when you were at university? Correct. So if we're kind of boiling this down, it wasn't something that I studied or I learned. It was more of who I interacted with and the, the people I met and the connections that I met at those various schools was more valuable. Wonderful. So after your management consulting um, experience, 18 years, uh, you founded and you're now the CEO of Sports Tech AI. Now, how were you able to develop the strategic vision uh, for Sports Tech AI? And what were the factors which influenced your decision to focus on specific areas such as fan experience, artificial intelligence, and uh, league scheduling? Yes. Those the last, the very last thing in consulting in 2000, um, it started with Gemini Consulting, which then acquired Ernst & Young. Um, it became Cap Gemini Ernst & Young. And then later on, I was recruited down to Australia to head up their, their telecom uh, media technology group in Sydney. So let's step back. I was always in the telco media entertainment sector. So that sector alone 
was heavily driven by the cell phone and the mobile phone here, which I'm holding up. And this this was really the the epicenter of where it all started. And on this phone back in 2000, when the phone was you know, just coming out, up until the launch of you know the iPhone and the smartphone. So I was already in that business. And a lot of my work was around customer experience. So a lot of the work that I did in the telecom sector, and this included cable TV as well, was around the call center, the experience in the call center, the experience in the retail store, the experience online. So selling something online, having people walk into your physical facility, and then calling people on the call center. Um, so I did everything facing the customer for that telecom sector. We also handled the studios. I did work for, for Warner Brothers and movies and did work on documentaries and all that plays into sport. Sport was always a subsector of what we did. It wasn't the biggest thing, but we did some projects within sport. Um, I was loosely a part of a team that that built the NHL's website back in 2003. Um, I was I was at AOL back in the day, and AOL did a lot of things in sport that are actually being done today. They were one of the forerunners of innovation in sports tech. And Ted Leonsis actually led that group. He's now the owner of Monumental Sports, and he owns the Capitals and the Wizards. So there was some work that took place in sport, but majority was in telecom. And majority of what I did was in customer experience. Now, when I got to Australia through, fast forward to around year 2010, but it was more close around 2012, 13, where the telco we worked with, which was Telstra, did a lot of work in sport. And when I say a lot, a lot more than what, say, Tim does in Italy, uh, Telecom Italia, or more than Verizon in America, they actually own the digital rights to all the sports leagues. They built the apps for the sports leagues. So not just broadcasting on the phone, they also own the app and they built the app and they built it with a company called Yinscam, but they also own the digital rights. So our own client was doing a lot of work in sports. I was asked to sponsor a sports tech conference, uh, which some of the budget came out of KPMG's telco media budget. Um, and I sponsored that. And then at that conference, some light started to go on that sports tech is going to be big. And this is around 2015. This was before anyone was speaking sports tech, before there even was a word sports tech. And I could see that sports tech, the technical side of it, whether that be streaming, smart stadiums, smart precincts, you know, it was all going to get a lot more deeper and, and a lot more involved in tech. And the whole analytics um, angle was coming out. We were doing a lot of analytics in the telco space, and the analytics was being applied to the fans. And all the machine learning, we were doing a lot of that in telco. So I did a lot of machine learning projects of if you buy this cell phone, let's offer them this one. Or if they have this plan, let's offer this one to the contact center. So the contact center agent, it would be a smart machine learning saying, Ryan's on an iPhone 12, we should offer him iPhone 13. He makes a lot more calls than his plan has. You should offer him this plan. It was called a real-time decisioning tool. So those real-time decisioning tools in the telco space were all starting to get applied to sports as well. If this happens, do this. Or for this player, we should select based on these analytics. So a lot of that machine learning was happening already. And a lot of the projects I was driving at Telstra were real-time decisioning analytics and machine learning tools. Um, so we started getting involved in sports, the sports tech conference. We as KPMG in the US won a project to do the game scheduling for the NBA. And I was a part of that, not a part of the actually delivering the project, but I knew the company, it was a company that we as KPMG had purchased 
I did a lot of due diligence in that company. I, I knew the founders of that. And when I found out we were doing that MBA project back in the U.S., because at the time I was living in Australia, um, I got a, I got to be a part of that project loosely, just from understanding it. And then we sold the project down to the Australia Basketball League. And then I started to sell it to cricket, to rugby, to AFL football. And at the same time at that conference, I said, look, let's take this conference and move it around the world. And on the back of KPMG, we launched the Sports Analytics World Series. And we put that sports tech conference in seven countries. So we put it in, in Amsterdam, in London, in India, in Tokyo, in the US. And at the same time this is happening, I had the idea, let's create a new division within KPMG called Sports Tech. And I became the new uh, global head, the director of sports tech globally. And so now I'm sitting in a sports tech role in a new division at KPMG that we have. And we're pushing these analytics, machine learning projects into sports and customer experience project. So we're working on the customer experience in the stadium. You know, what does that fan journey look like? And we used to take the fan journey. We did a customer journey for what happens when the customer leaves his house and goes to buy a new retail phone or a new mobile phone in the retail store. What does that journey look like when he walks into the store and he has to give his passport to get a prepaid phone? How many clicks do they take to check out on the website? And all these exact same things apply directly to the fan journey going to a stadium and, and documenting the different personas. Is it a young kid going into the store or is it an old man with the whole family? Same. Is it a young kid going to a sports event or is it a guy taking his kids to the sports event? It's the exact same persona. It's just a different experience going to buy a prepaid phone or going to buy a, a sports ticket. So all that really bled over very easily. So that's how I got into the customer experience, fan experience side. It was just a natural fit. And I'm a fan myself, so I'm, I'm a fan. I go to a lot of games. And then the game scheduling, as you said, we had bought at KPMG a product that sold game scheduling. So we sold this around the world. Um, and then the AI, a lot of stuff I was doing was AI-driven. And after two years in that role, I decided, you know, rather than work for someone else, after 18 years in management consulting at a combination of Ernst & Young, Capgemini, and, and KPMG, I decided to launch my own company. So it really was a natural segue and those three products were exactly what I was doing in the telecom space. So long-winded answer, but I think I answered it pretty, pretty depth. Could you expand on the process of convincing how you were able to convince KPMJ to diversify and create a new sector uh, dedicated to sports tech? Sure. It was Pretty easy, pretty lucky, and no one thought I could do it. So within Australia, when I told the partners down there this plan I had, they all looked at me like I was crazy. Uh, there was always a premonition that there was no money in sports, that in the consulting side, and this is true, the sports clubs tend to lower your cost and your margins aren't very good. Um, I use an example. If you're doing a project for the Yankees, they actually want to reduce your cost by 50% because you're working with the Yankees. So if you're working with the big sports clubs, they think because you're working with a cool brand, you should reduce your prices. Um, so that, that, that is true. That that's, that's factual. Um, but once you talk sports tech, you're not talking to the Yankees as your product. You're talking the league office. You're talking the cities, the stadiums, who owns the stadiums. You're talking the, the tele, the telcos and everything else. So our clients, are, you're talking the Amazons of the world, the Netflix, when it comes to sports tech. So 
there were the big players. Sports tech is not just the sports clubs, which traditionally don't have a lot of money. Um, despite a lot of people thinking they have a lot of money, they really don't. They cut corners when it comes to the stadium and the fan experience. They have a lot of money for the players, and that's been traditional. And a lot of teams would spend a lot more money on the field than they would on the fans. Now, that is changing, uh, especially in the European soccer. It's slowly changing. In the U.S., it's completely changed. Uh, we have state-of-the-art stadiums, and they apply a lot of money to the fan experience. Just the food experience in the stadium dramatically has changed. It used to be you know, the worst food possible to really good food to now gourmet food. You know, Michelin star chefs are in the U.S. stadiums. That's not quite happened to the European market yet, but it's coming. Um, so the other part of the house was the lucky part was no one said it was going to happen. No one believed in me. I happened to I, I sat in the management consulting division. There was a sports division within KPMG. We did work in sports. Um, we, we do a lot of accounting and audit and tax, you know, parts of the business that I don't really enjoy, parts of the business I could care less about. I, I don't necessarily like accounting. I don't like tax. No one likes taxes. Um, so that's parts of the business I didn't really care about within KPMG. But that's where the sports sat. And I met that guy initially. And it's a funny story. He also didn't get sports tech. He didn't understand game scheduling. He didn't understand analytics. And they put out a program called Football Benchmarks at the time. I'm not going to say his name, but he was based in, in Hungary, an Italian guy, actually. Um, really nice guy. And he didn't quite get sports tech when I first told him. Fast forward, I end up meeting uh, the head, head of management consulting in the London office. I showed him the game scheduling product we did for the NBA and the video they made for us. And it's one of the greatest client testimonial videos ever. Adam Silver and the NBA, it's all talking about game scheduling and how great KPMG has done to help the NBA. And that video was the number one video shown throughout KPMG for recruiting um, globally. And that video was shown in all the office of, here's a great product, come to KPMG, you can work at the NBA. Not really true, not many people are going to be on that project, but that's just an example. But this guy that I met in London, the head of management consulting, he loved the video. I told him I'm going to be selling this at these conferences that we're already doing. Um, and he, he loved the idea. So I met the right person who loved sports, who got my bigger picture. So not to say a woman wouldn't have got it. But this guy just happened to be a male who loves sports, and he wanted to sell more work in the sport. He, he liked what I was doing. So it was pure coincidence, pure luck, and not, not every male loves sports. You know, it could have been some senior partner in KPMG London who was, you know, let's say more like Prince Charles, who probably doesn't really like sports, um, as opposed to Prince Harry, who loves, who loves sports. You know, the two of them, I don't think Charles sits down and is watching Manchester United versus Man City game on a Saturday. You know, he's drinking tea out on his hunts. <laughs> so I met the right person in London, and and he loved it. And I went back to the Australia guys, and I said, I got funding. I'm moving. I'm leaving. I'm moving into a global role. So it, it was the right person at the right time. Now, fast forward to that uh, head of sport. They started doing a lot more work in analytics. They started seeing two years later. He realizes analytics is a big thing. Even though when I told him, he thought it was nonsense and it wasn't going to fly. And fast forward a few years. And he left KPMG and he launched his own analytics and football company. And he now works 100% analytics and football. And they have their own consulting company within analytics and football. And But I had to really explain to him again back in 2015-16, the idea of analytics changing the game of football really was nonsense. 
it didn't really come up of you're going to use numbers to decide what players to, to play with. And there are plenty of success stories on analytics now in football and in Europe. So, so, so yeah, long winded answer, but it was an interesting, it was a little bit of luck and a little bit of, but yeah, it was purely myself. And, and I had the idea coming out of Australia. And again, I'm an American. I was down in Australia just working and we launched a new division. So this leadership of yours, you advocated for the use of big data to enhance league scheduling, to balance out the maximization of revenues and optimizing um, player welfare. Now, mm -hmm. in your opinion- and Really quick, fan experience. So if you use that big data to enhance fan experience, we can help you sell more tickets. We can help you sell more jerseys. You know, if a fan calls up to buy a ticket, let's offer him a jersey. You know, let's sell these things. Let, let's use big data to increase revenue for the clubs. So that's something we can do really well at KPMG and that fan experience side. We know that side better than the player analytics side. It's not really what KPMG specializes in, but on the customer experience side, that is what we do. And that's what we specialize in. So that, that was kind of the selling point. Welcome to the Lead the Game podcast, exploring sports leadership at 360 degrees, delving into the secrets of high performance, audience engagement, and wealth creation within the sports industry. This podcast provides invaluable insights into various career paths within the sports industry. Whether you're a college student aiming to enter the field or an athlete striving for peak performance, Lead the Game equips you with strategies to overcome adversity and develop the skills necessary to thrive in the competitive industry of sports. So join host Eduardo Grandi on this journey of discovery and empowerment.